Learn to be you, the podcast. Real talk, real people. Welcome back to another episode of the Learn to Be You podcast. This is episode six. It was like yesterday I was um, just recording episode one of season three. And today we have obviously the wonderful Leah with us today. And we also have the amazing Victoria. And I'm going to pass you over to Victoria now so she can let us know all about who she is and what she's about. Over to you, Victoria. Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me on the podcast today. So yes, I am Victoria Smith-Gillard and I'm a people and pet therapist and I'm a communicator, healer and medium are just sort of some of the, I suppose, titles if you like. So I mainly help uh, predominantly female pet owners um, to resolve emotional and behavioral issues with their pets. But I also um, have various kind of other branches. So I do work also with codependency in females, whether they're pet owners or not. Um, from my own background I'm also as I said a medium so I also work uh, not just with our loved ones in spirit but also actually pets in spirit as well with the animal communication and um, that often takes people on a very healing journey um, because it there's often so much more involved than you know just the emotions regarding a pet passing over so yeah lots to talk about I suspect I love all that like you may be aware you may not Leah Leah actually is a medium also so, okay. but I, I've never heard of connecting with the, the pets in spirit. So that, that's really um, intriguing for me. Obviously, I'm aware of the other things, but I love, I love all you're about. I love all the different branches you're about. And hopefully we're going to get to cover some of those today. So, wow, amazing. So, Leah, when you're ready, can you spring your magic wheel and let us know what we're talking about today, please? Because I'm excited about these, these topics. Okay. So today... We are talking about our seven major personality parts. Okay, Okay. awesome. This is one of the subjects on the list that I don't have a clue about. So, Victoria, I'm passing it over to you (laughs) and you can let us know what this is about. And me and Lyra will just chirp in when, when, when we feel appropriate. Okay, no worries at all. Um, So yeah, one of the reasons I chose this as a topic is because I think a lot of people um, don't always realise that they are a sum of the individual parts of their personality. And often I found when I say this to people, you know, they will kind of come out with labels such as all their schizophrenic or, you know, those kind of things. And it's it's like, no, we are all every single individual on this planet, including animals, actually, as well, um, are made up of individual parts of us. And each part of us um, has like its own thoughts. It has its own belief system, its own emotions. Um, it has experiences that it's been through. So a particular part can have, you know, various traumas that it's gone through. So I work a lot with parts therapy. Um, and I think part, excuse the pun, um, of the reason for doing that is because it's a very conscious uh, therapy. So it's a very spatial therapy where effectively, um, as long as people are, are um, mobile enough and able to, um, we allow them to um, move around the room like they choose the space space where they want to be in a room and that's this can be done distantly and online so I've even done it over the phone and just got people to talk me through where they are um uh, where that particular part of them wants to come out and speak 
and how it wants to be. So it it does sound obviously a little bit woo-woo, does sound a little bit strange, but hopefully by the end of this, people will kind of get it a bit more. So um, that's kind of just like a, a bit of a, a dive into sort of what kind of happens in, in the session. Um, but I'm going to sort of start talking really about the basis of this. So as I say, you know, they're often called like sub-personalities. That's quite a common phrase um, in this. But every part of us, and I want, you know, if people take one thing away today, not just for themselves, but for other people, and I'm getting goosebumps now, um, is every part of us or someone else wants to be heard. Mm-hmm. You know, so in a conversation, if somebody's like racking up the intensity of the volume of their voice, it's because they're not they don't feel like they're being heard, you know. And again, you know, sometimes by thinking about that, when we are perhaps in a conflict with somebody or a disagreement, it doesn't even have to be anything intense. Um, You know, it's about hearing that person. It's, uh, you know, so it's a bit like even if you were sitting with a friend who's going through a really bad day I'll try not to obviously swear on a podcast um but they're going through a really you know awful day all that part of them that just wants to kind of talk is you know all they want to do is be heard you know they don't you know we we often go in as humans to kind of try and fix and make them feel better and you know so that they walk away and they're skipping like tigger and it's not always about that you know it's it's just that part needs to be heard and listened to but also the the probably the also then most important part of that is we also need that from ourselves and we're really good at not doing that no it's you know? interesting i love what you just said there victoria but because I say this a lot, lot, lot in what I do in my coaching, like with the young people, they don't want to be fixed. They want to be heard. And I think I can resonate with this as well, because me as a man, and I guess I've, I've learned this is maybe what I want. I want to fix things. So sometimes when yeah. Leah wants me to hear her, I'm trying to fix her. So yeah. I'm having to practice and I'm, I'm not there yet. But I'm having to practice. Do you need me to hear you or help you? So so I love that part of that. I think that's really yeah. important for people to hear that. But carry on I mean I'm really really intrigued by what you're oh that's fine you know and and also like in in just in just picking up on what you said also like communication is so key um like parts therapy is so useful for couples and, and I would just say to that that you know also you know like me if I was in that situation but also Leah you know could say actually I'd just like you to listen to me today if that's mm-hmm. okay you know so there's that element to it as well so it's it is really fascinating now so apart from every part of us wanting to be heard they also want to be acknowledged and they they also want to have their needs met okay but first and foremost yet again you know we are the ones that need to to meet those needs um and again it's about listening to that part of us you know what is that need so just even to give you a brief example you know when I I lost um I had a foster pet pass away and I was kind of in the throes of grief and you know what happened basically was I had to just stand there for a moment and go right what do I need in this given moment what do I I actually need um and so that's really important as well and as I said each each personality part sorry some somebody's trying to ring my door they want to be heard it's absolutely fine I don't need to get it don't worry um but each part of us carries our own thoughts feelings you know and behaviors and strategies as well you know so again this is where these personality parts you know by actually sort of bringing them out and allowing them to speak and actually be acknowledged sometimes it can that in itself can create a shift because we're becoming more aware of why 
that part is doing what it's doing or why it's saying what it's saying. Um, you know, we're also then become aware of what its needs are. We become aware of what its feelings are. Um, and there's one, one in particular, but it can happen with other emotions. But for instance, anger, you know, anger often starts out maybe as a little bit of frustration. Then it kind of ramps up a bit to annoyance. Then it ramps up to kind of anger. And then actually if the anger kind of continues, then it's like that ramps up to rage. And a lot of people that you know I've worked with that have rage are like no I can't I, I can't I can't look at it I can't no we mustn't go anywhere near that um, and I have to explain to them you know in a sort of a metaphorical way or an analogy way of think of the child having a temper tantrum in the supermarket it didn't just start out like that you know they they maybe pulled mum's coat or dad's coat and mum's talking you know or dad is talking to like the neighbor that they happen to see or a friend you know and the child's like you know and they're trying to get their attention and it's not working so they're like mm, I'll just dug a bit harder okay no that's still not working they're just brushing me off right okay um I might start playing up now so I might start putting things into the trolley that shouldn't be there and mum's like stop it you know so mum's still not giving me the attention that I need um, so, right, we're going to just ramp it up a bit. So it might get to the point where they have a full on tantrum, you know, lay down on the floor, you know, waving their arms and legs around. And of course, then we go, what, what is it you mm -hmm. want? You know, I mean, I don't, I don't have children, but, um, you know, it's just like the analogy of as soon as that happens, generally they'll stop, you know, because actually some, somebody's hearing them. So I say to people, you know, when there's rage there, as as hard as it can be we need to hear why that part is so flipping angry mm. because it's built up it hasn't just happened you know it's normally built up and built up and built up and very often it's actually ourselves um the, that we are actually angry at you know for not listening to us um so there's there's a lot with parts um that like the language that people use as well so i just want to kind of bring that in because yeah, it yeah. ties in nicely really is when we talk about parts um it's a bit if people can imagine like a tug of war and you've got like two teams so you've got one part being one end of that rope and you've got the other part that you're in conflict with at the other end of the rope and what can happen is some parts will be tugging a, a lot harder so they'll be perhaps the more dominant part in the inner conflict and then the other might be the submissive one which is kind of being dragged across the playing field um, but again it might revert so that the other one becomes dominant and the other becomes submissive or you might get a little bit of a equal you know so that they're kind of both pulling as hard as each other so there's no real movement nobody's going anywhere and they feel really stuck but there's all these emotions kicking off and you know so that's also what can happen with with parts is it is normally like two or more parts of us that are, are having an in, inner conflict and i can easily like give several examples but the things that people need to watch out for um with in terms of the language and also actually gestures as well i'm, I'm sort of doing it a bit here actually <laughs> um is they'll often say on the one hand you know, on the one hand, I really want to give up smoking, but you know, what, on the other, and they'll they'll literally show me. They'll have one hand out to the left and one hand out to the right. But like, yes, parts conflict. Um, you know, so uh, you know, and that's just regarding a habit, but it could be anything. It could be procrastination. It could be looking for a new job, uh, standing up to you know your boss or anything. Um, so when people hear themselves saying on one hand and on the other, that's a parts conflict. You know, um, they might literally say part of me, you know, part of me wants to do X, Y, Z, part of me wants to do this. 
Uh, so that's another obviously easy one. They might say they're feeling really torn. They're stuck between a rock and a hard place. Again, really common one for, yep, there's inner conflict going on. Um, they might just have this kind of push-pull feeling that they take, you know, three steps forward and one step back or, or vice versa. Um, so it's like, oh, you know, why why can't I just keep moving forwards? You know, what's going on? Why do I keep being pulled back? So again, it's, it's you know, bringing those parts out. So the part that's pulling you back, what's going on there? Why is it doing that? Because every part of us is trying to keep us safe. Mm. It's either trying to keep us safe, it's trying to allow us to survive, and it's trying to protect us, you know. So when we start looking at it in that and saying, okay, so how is it trying to help? So for me, for instance, when I was going to do public speaking, I was really struggling with it. And when I did, so I'm a bit weird, I do do parts on myself. Um, so I can kind of be client and therapist at the same time and remember where all my parts are. But it does get a bit confusing when you get to about five. But in this instance, there was luckily just two. And so that public speaking part of me was like, yes, I want to go out. I want to share my knowledge. It was by my front door. It's like, yes, eager to do this. Great. And it was like, so what's stopping you? And actually, sometimes by being in that part, you suddenly realize there is another part in the room, even though we've not identified it. And it's like that, that part there, because that part is really upset. It doesn't want me to go out. It's in distress. And it was the part that was bullied when you were young. Mm. And that part, when I went into that part, it was like, no, we, we can't. We can't go out there. We're going to get hurt. We're going to get bullied again. We're going to get picked on. We're going to get humiliated. We're going to get shamed, you know, and all the other things that happens when you're a kid in school, you know. Um, and so I then had to then bring in my protective part who kind of up to that point, I suppose, had been really protective of other people. And we'll kind of get onto that and kind of say to it, no, 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 that's not going to happen now. Because I'm an adult now, my protective part, you know, is capable of doing that. As a child, my protective part was the same age as my child, uh, my inner child, if you like. So, of course, it didn't have the capacity to do that. Um, so by them working with that dynamic, then the inner child within me felt more reassured. We helped it release limiting beliefs. We helped it release feelings and emotions that were obviously, you know, trauma based, um, which then allowed me to kind of move forwards and actually then go out and start public speaking. So that's just like one example. But, you know, there's there's plenty more um, probably as we go on. So um, hopefully that's sort of making sense more to people as well um, in terms of it. Now, um, the other things that can happen is with some of the parts of us, we can often um, do what we call we can like repress them. So, again, think about we're doing it to keep ourselves safe. So we might hide parts of us. So, I've you know, like people that have the rage that that part was really hidden. So, of course, it, it that was even worse for that part because it was like I'm, I'm in hiding. You've shoved me in the cupboard. So now I'm even angrier that I'm shoved in the cupboard and being kind of pushed pushed away because I've got lots to say and nobody's hearing me. So again, people's language that shows you something's going on inside can also be things like no one cares about me, no one listens to me, you know, um, when is it my turn? You know, all of those kind of things is often a part of somebody, quite often the inner child saying, you know, you as that person that has that inner child, you're not listening to me. I'm trying to tell you things. And that could be things like, you know, we don't have a work-life balance or you're not doing the things that you should be doing, you know, in life that I like doing as that child. So again, it can often link into what we used to love doing as, as a child that we're not doing anymore, for instance, you know. Um, and that can be because people have set up a family and they're in a relationship and they're a mum and they're a wife and they're, you know, a sister-in-law and 
and a friend and everything else and it's like okay but what about that person themselves you know when when do they just get to do things for themselves and have that quality time with themselves so um I hope that makes sense I'm going to kind of go on a little bit now just more to kind of the major personality parts so um the the main personality parts that we have are the loving part of us the protective part of us the inner child which I've already started to speak about a little bit today then we've got kind of some heavy weights that tend to work together which is the pusher the perfectionist and the inner critic as well and there's also um, a kind of people pleasing part as well that can often be quite a major part um, so I'm going to sort of go through some information but obviously as you can imagine there's a lot to share but I don't want to overwhelm people but I'm sure there's going to be people in there here that go oh yeah um, so the loving part of us for instance so there's going to perhaps be people out there um, that often find that they put everyone else first they'll love everyone else before they even consider loving themselves and again this often comes from our background from our childhood of what we've been through that actually for for um, deeper reasons but too much probably to get into on an hour's um, talk um, is that we actually tend to you know we've, we've gone to love other people first nobody's told us that that's the wrong thing to do and they've accepted that so we've carried on doing everything right that's what we do we love other people first okay so with the loving part of us it, it can also have kind of two sides to it. it can have a very caring nurturing side um you know where it's it's where perhaps you might have words of affirmation um you know praising encouragement all of that kind of nurturing side um that's kind of I suppose motherly and maternal um, but then it also can have a practical side. So the loving part of you can also relate to our self-care, you know, our sleeping habits, our, our hygiene, our what we're eating, uh, what we're drinking or not, as the case may be. So the, the loving part of us is, again, a major personality part. And often I find that a lot of people, as I say, have put everyone else first. And if you said to somebody, you know, OK, name the people or, or name the people and pets that you love, people will name everyone. And I'm like, so where are you on that list? Mm. They're like, oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. So we often, you know, if that's the case, I always say to people, you know, do you tend to find that you love other people first, you know, or that you're more loving towards other people than you are of yourself is another way of putting it. And, you know, if anyone here or listening can actually take that, then we have some uh, building to do with between our loving parent, which is the loving part, and our inner child because actually if we have gone off and loved other people you know namely probably our caregivers and our parents um then our inner child is kind of left to its own devices mm. so that will be where things come up like nobody loves me nobody listens to me you know because if we're extending the love to everyone else well what what about our inner child and it's very similar with then the protective part of us so again same question you know are you know is anyone out there you know are you more protective of other people than you are of yourself um I can see Leah's nodding um you know I can hold my hand up and say yes I was totally you know um I would have probably stepped in front of a bus for people you know it would be like no let me get in there um but I wasn't doing it to myself and the problem is is again is when we're doing where it's external it's like well who's protecting my inner child then because no one else is so again that inner child is then going well I need to seek love and I need to seek protection so I'm not getting it from you I'm going to seek it externally and herein kind of comes into some of the factors actually around codependency 
you know um but you don't have to be codependent to do this obviously you know but it is quite a common theme um where we do that you know we we seek out external love we seek out protection because we're not doing it for ourselves but it will also show up in pets as well so again similar thing if somebody's got a pet that is like really protective over them very often I find that that is because their inner child is not being protected by themselves so the pets and again that's a whole other topic um but you know the pets will be picking up on this um and so they're trying to then protect so um so yeah that and and again all of these parts can be underused in our life or overused in our life so again this is something to remember so for instance a protective part can be so protective of our inner child that it basically puts it in a coffin buries it under the floor and goes there we go they are safe it's like they are but they're also alive feeling very abandoned very rejected Mm. don't know what they've done wrong thinking it's their fault feeling very unloved with tons of emotions kicking off because they need connection um you know um in the world and it's not happening so of course then you've got (laughs) those two things kicking off the protectors i've done my job i'm here to keep them safe it's like yes but that's kind of gone wrong um so again it's about then that inner child you know being kind of brought back to obviously you know conscious living but then the protective part coming in in a way that's still protecting it and keeping it safe but you know you're you're not basically burying it so that it literally can't have any connection with anyone because that's where obviously you know some of the issues come in the same with the loving part you know it can be either under loving you know um and quite neglectful or it could be that actually we're over loving so we're kind of smothering that smothering kind of love which again sometimes you see with people's pets you know when they sort of you know and you see the pet going um you know and you're like you know um so again it can come out very much um it's the reason i say pets is because actually often they are a bit of a mirror of of how we are with our inner child in some ways not not quite but sometimes the things that we do with our pet are what we should be doing with our inner child in a sense that's really interesting you know and and i love what you've been saying there and and i can some of that i can really resonate with but but what i see in leah like like leah a lot when our son doesn't listen gets very triggered very okay. triggered when our son doesn't listen yeah. and yeah. and another bit about about the bit that resonated for Leah also was the the loving everybody else but not herself so I yeah. really I really when you were saying that was like yep and I think <laughs> Leah smiled because she knew exactly that 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 you were kind of talking about I'm her. under fire here with everything you're saying almost it's like you're just talking yeah. about me like <laughs> everything that you've been saying I'm like like yeah 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 that's me yeah I don't <laughs> listen to my intuition I yeah don't put me first like yeah yeah that's me I get annoyed by the dog because like you're saying there with that inner child I guess I'm in, I get annoyed with that needing that protection or needing that reassurance and I'm like no like because I never I, I, like you say you don't if you I think it's that learned behavior and the inner child yeah. holds on to that quite a lot and yeah. so it's that I'm needing reassurance no you don't you're not important. Go away. So with like when like Levi, our dog comes at us and he's and I'm like, oh my god, you're annoying me. Go away. Just leave me alone. So and I have that like internal battle with myself. So I'm just sat here and I'm like, <laughs> you're calling me out on so much right now. Like this is like a personal attack. <laughs> <laughs> 
mean, I promise you it's not. I promise you it's not. But um, but yes, I mean, you know, again, as I say, that's like a whole other talk, I think, really, in terms of the fibro. But um, but um, yeah, you know, because actually, as you said, you know, when when we're talking to our pet, which, as I say, is often reflecting a part of us. Um, and again, as I say, often in a child, effectively, you hear what you're saying. It's like you're not important. Go away. I don't want anything to do with you. And it's like pushing a child away. And it's like, well, our inner child is full of that magic and that imagination and that creativity. And, um, you know, they can get quite hurt, you know, when we do push them away. But again, often, A, because of our background, you know, and B, maybe by our present circumstances as well. It's like we feel like, well, we have to do that. You know, if you if you're a mum, it's like well, I've got to be a mum. Like my child can't look after themselves. You know, I've got to do that. You know, even if it's you know co-parenting, it's it's still you know I've got to be the mum. So you know, again, mums will often kind of put down that inner child um, because it's like well, I've got to deal with the physical child that's actually in front of me. You know, my inner child. It, it doesn't matter. You know, I can leave them. So again, how we talk to our pets can again show a lot about how we you know how we talk to ourselves. Um, so the other one, again, you you probably will resonate with. Um, <laughs> but again, you know, this is a talk for everyone, I promise. And and a lot of this is by me going through my own experiences as well. So I can resonate with loving other people first, protecting other people first, um, you know. And, and as I say, just from the work that I do, I, I've been shown more and more, as I say, like those mirrors, as I say, of our, our pets being kind of, you know, the love that we should be giving to our own inner child as well. But we don't. We just, again, we pour it externally. I'll give it to the pet, you know, because they're lovely. I love them. I tell them they're beautiful and I love them every day. How often do we say that in the mirror to ourselves? You know, yes, I do do it a bit more, but, you know, never used to. Um, so, again, that does come into it. So the next one as a major personality part is the pusher. Okay. Um, so the pusher is like the real doing part of us so the pusher is often the part that creates our success um and again you know it can be dominant it can be submissive or it can be balanced so um it's often the one that you know if you cross like say you create a list of things you know of tasks um you cross one item off the list and it adds two more on you know or for me it'll be like right I'll watch a webinar okay great and I'll start watching the webinar and the pusher will be going no no, no you've got to pause it You've got to write everything down. You've got to make all those notes. And they said about that book. So now you've got another task. You need to read that book now. And they said about this phrase. So you're going to need to go and research everything around that phrase. So suddenly, just by having one task that I was going to cross off my list, my pusher has then added on like five more, um, including a very unrealistic, let's read a book in a day kind of scenario. Um, and they're really good at doing that. Very unrealistic expectations as well uh, can come up. So you know I think if if I said to people you know right now think of all the things that you've got to do if you did you know you, you'd probably be able to go and reel them all off because the push is like yep yeah, on it but then it creates so many things that you get very overwhelmed and this is where then it kind of ties into other parts because then you get so overwhelmed you procrastinate and you don't start things um, and then at the end of the day the inner critic comes in and goes well you are absolutely useless aren't you You've done nothing today, nothing. Look at that. You've still got six items on your list, despite the, the fact that actually eight of the, you know, 10 items on there were added on 
when you started the first two in the first place so that can come into it and also this is where it ties in with another part which is the perfectionist that if we can't do it right then we're not going to do it at all if it's not perfect then I'm not going to start it and if we've got the beliefs running around us like I must get it right because if I don't get it right I'm not good enough or I'm a failure then again the perfectionist will play on that and so will the inner critic so again the these the pusher, the perfectionist and the inner critic all kind of do merge together a little bit. So you'll probably hear me sort of talking a bit about all of them together. So the kind of language that a strong pusher might use is there is so much to do. You know, I don't have enough time is a really common one. And it will also say should a lot. You should do this. You should go to the gym today and bake that cake and do this. Despite the fact in your diary, you might have six clients. Your pusher goes, yeah, that's easily achievable. It's like, well, it actually isn't because the gym only opens at X time and it shuts at this time or I've got this in the evening, you know. So again, you know, it's the expectations that can often be unrealistic. So the pusher wants you to be busy all the time. Like it completely sees relaxation as a waste of time. So if somebody has got a strong pusher, what they'll find is if they go on holiday and probably more so perhaps if they run their own business, um, what they will find is they will take stuff with them. Well, I'll just take my laptop with me. You know, I could read that book whilst I'm by the pool that I haven't had a chance to do yet. So then the person doesn't actually get a break because the pusher's like, yeah, let, let's just bring some work stuff with us and we're going to crack on. So, you know, they, they could be really sneaky. So often um, when people have got a really strong pusher, they tend to be workaholics, you know, um, and also you will often um, attract the opposite as well. So if you have a really strong pusher, a dominant pusher in your lives, you will often attract the opposite energy, which often people class as like the sloth, you know. Um, and so then, of course, if you've got a strong pusher and you're a do, do, do person, you know, that sloth is going to irritate the heck out of you. But actually what's happening is you're being shown that there has to be balance. There's got to be give and take. There has to be times when you have the downtime, because if you just do, do, do all the time, you're going to be completely frazzled because we are human beings. We're not human doings. So the pusher doesn't like it when you want to just have time to be, you know, so it will kind of sabotage people doing things like meditation or, you know, well, you've got that report to finish. You can't be really go to yoga tonight, you know, so it will make excuses and make you, uh, you know, the inner critic comes in because it knows what your limiting beliefs are. So it will kind of trigger that and make you feel guilty or ashamed. So our inner critics can actually shame us as much as they can shame other people. Um, so that kind of comes into it. So the, the person with a strong pusher often doesn't have a work life balance. Um, you know they can push people to the point of actually just giving up of like no I just can't cope with this that's it I'm out you know um, because people just get so overwhelmed with what the pusher is trying to put on them so as I say like my pusher um, and I, I had been quite conscious of it but when lockdown started I think because um, perhaps my energy had changed a bit with what was going on um, effectively my pusher went and bought 20 more courses because it did the you don't know enough so it was like yeah we need to learn more so now we've got downtime you need to learn more you've got to do more you know so and then I was, and after a while I was like hang on so those are now sitting there and I don't care that they're sitting there whereas before I was very aware of a strong pusher I'd have been like I've got those courses to do and they're sitting on my mind and they're playing on my shoulders you know weighing me down and now I'm like that's fine they're there they bought them 
possibly there was a reason if I meant to do them I will and if I'm not they'll just sit there until eternity you know so um hopefully that's kind of making sense either to yourselves or you know 100%. people that are listening oh, yeah definitely you know um it, uh, it, I think with I think actually it's quite interesting what you said there about the the pusher and the sloth <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that I'm looking I think actually that is almost like myself and Jay Jay I'd say is very much more in that pusher do 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 energy and he tries to put that onto me to to bring out the best in me but it, it does yeah. push me back and it almost makes so I'm like the sloth and he's the butcher in this in the in the um analogy you've just used there because I I very much get that overwhelm that you mentioned and when I get that overwhelm is I, I just can't I, it's like I guess it goes into that almost fight like freeze thing and if I'm getting too much pressure I go into freeze mode mm-hmm. and I just can't do anything so yeah. I find that quite um I've not actually found it quite intriguing actually in what you're saying and you can actually see so many points that you're saying in our relationship even it's, it's definitely given us a lot given me a lot more food for thought I guess yeah and and there, there is lessons to learn from both you know there are times when we need to do and this is the thing our pusher isn't all bad because there are times when you know we might have a deadline that perhaps we didn't realize was there and that pusher is going to be the one that gets it done you know but likewise there are times when we also really need to be maybe we've gone through as I say a bereavement or something where the pusher's like no, well we've got this to do today and this it's like whoa 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 actually no we need to be with our feelings. We need to be able to honor that. Yes, we need to be able to get through, you know, the day. Um, so again, pusher can come into it to a certain point. Um, but again, we might need more time to be like with mine when my foster cat passed. You know, I said, what do I need? Actually, I need to be out in nature. I need to go and talk to the horses like you do. Um, you know and I had a conversation with them and actually when I did something came out of you know no something about being unloved or nobody loves me and I remember just kind of going "Eh, that doesn't make sense because people had been sharing comments on Facebook and that kind of thing and I felt a lot of love but of course that's the rational part of me talking the adult part going that doesn't make sense but of course it was the inner child not feeling very loved so I then asked her on the way home, you know, what is it you need? And she's like, I need to create. I need, bless her, she said, I need to learn. I was like, okay, we might leave that one because the pusher will go mad on that. <laughs> but, you know, and she was like, I want to read. I want to be creative. I was like, okay, darling, well, we are going to do that. So I do talk to her like she is my own little girl because she is. She's just in here, internal. Um, so, so yeah, there probably will be reflections, but there's always the, you know, there, there's always a reason why those attractions are there because it's showing us, you know, how it could be useful. It's also showing us, okay, if it gets too much, it's too dominant, how that can affect. So Jay, you might find that actually you do feel a lot of stress, you know, because actually when we're shoulding ourselves a lot, it's a very different energy. You know, if I say, I, you know, you should go to the gym versus, you know, would you like to go to the gym? You know, you'd like to. They're a really different energy. So the pusher is, it does use um, what we call demand type language, should, must, have to, ought to, need to. So there's often a good sign there in the language as well when it does that. So the critic as I said, you know, makes you very, well, the critic is aware of all your limiting beliefs. 
you know so anything that you so limiting belief is basically a belief that is disempowering for those that don't know so it might be I'm not good enough uh I'm I don't know enough uh whatever I'm not enough the blank would be filled in with something um you know it might have then other beliefs like as I say I must get it right you know so then from that it then will criticize us because it knows our limiting beliefs and I often say to people if if I see somebody that is judging someone else very critically normally I know that they themselves have got a very high inner critic um you know and often what will happen is we've set ourselves on unrealistic expectations and such high standards we can never meet them um and of course that that causes a massive issue because if I can never meet it then I'm going to constantly feel like I'm failing, like I'm not good enough and I'm going to be trying. I'll be trying to meet it, you know, because it's like, yes, it's got to be perfect um, and I've got to meet it because otherwise I'm not good enough. I'm, I'm failed. So, again, that in itself creates quite a stress um, going on as well. So the critic will make you feel bad, as I say, for not knowing enough. And, you know, the pusher will then provide the reading for you to improve. So you can see how they kind of tie together in that way. Um, so pushers are the ones at work, for instance, that will do tasks way before others have a chance to even recognize something needed doing because pushers are so good at doing. They're just like, yes, this needs doing, that needs doing, you know, and they're kind of on it. And again, you know, for anyone that's employed and, and has that within them, you know, what can then often, often happen is then our colleagues, because I was one of those that was like, yeah, that needs doing right. Let's get it done. You know, let's move on. Keeps doing it. Um, it's, you know, basically your colleagues generally don't like you um, overly because, you know, you're the one that's then sort of looking like you're doing everything. And it doesn't mean I was, but obviously, it you know, I remember somebody saying to me, you need to try not to be so good because people don't like you for it. And I was like, but that needed doing, you know, so my pusher was easily justifying it because it did need doing. But of course, um, it did cause a few problems. The fact that, as I say, it, it was just so hot and what needed doing to the nth detail. Um, so, <laughs> and, you know, and as you were talking about, like the sloth energy as well. So it, it is about seeing that sometimes, you know, doing nothing is actually good for us. You know, it's it's creating that balance. It's allowing us to slow down, recalibrate, um, you know, recharge. Um, often when I'm the least stressed is when I'll be the most creative because it allows my right brain to just come in and just, uh, you know, whereas the left brain's like analyzing and sorting stuff and structure. So that can definitely come into it too. So the inner critic. Um, so that often will stop people behaving assertively because um, of like this fear of rejection, uh, you know, fear of what people think, you know, but as I say, it does really hone in on all of our limiting beliefs and our fears as well. Um, it will work with the pusher and often will set deadlines that are unattainable. So like I said earlier, you know, mine will say, right, we'll do that course today. And it hasn't probably even looked at the course, doesn't know how many chapters, modules, assignments, you know, anything like that. But it'll go, yeah, we'll just do that course today or we'll do four chapters. And it'll have absolutely no idea what's actually involved to do that or the time restraints. So, again, just noticing where those two are kind of tripping you up is really important, you know, and ask, you know, ask yourselves, is that deadline realistic? Is that attainable? Is that goal attainable? Um, so as I say, yeah, you know, we've talked about the task list and obviously how it comes in with that and criticizes you if it's not done. Um, and it's also the perfectionist that then starts to come in here as well. So that's often the one that sets the really high, you know, unreasonable expectations, i.e. 
you've got to be perfect it's got to be perfect you know and of course nothing's ever perfect you know we're all imperfectly perfect or perfectly imperfect I guess um but of course the perfectionist will come in and often when that happens if we think something bad is going to happen if we do it and it's not perfect we won't generally do it so we then start sabotaging and procrastinating you know doing the ironing that we hate doing every other day of the year but today we love it you know it's good times um so all of those kind of come together. So the inner critic is really good at making us feel rotten about ourselves. You know, it knows our fears. It knows limiting beliefs. It knows that we don't feel good enough. Um, it will be the one that actually is the one that picks up all the negative details. So the one thing that you didn't do today or that you didn't say, like you were saying earlier, Jay, you know, that the one thing I didn't say, but nobody's actually, you know, within yourself praised you for everything that you may have shared in that particular live that you did or that webinar so the inner critic will often come in and kind of go yeah but you didn't think that did you or you didn't do that you know um so again it'll make us feel bad about ourselves so when a critic is more balanced it's it's like in a way it's like constructive criticism you know um it's allowing us you know as as like if i put it in nlp terms it's about critiquing somebody's plan for instance or you know we might need to critique someone's behavior including our own but we don't critique the person you know somebody's behavior is very different to the person they are separate if that makes sense because actually when we critique the person and that includes ourselves doing that to ourselves we shame if i if i say it to myself that behavior wasn't acceptable I can have regret and I can have guilt and I can apologize and I can, you know, repair obviously, you know, what might have happened. Um, but actually what happens if we critique ourselves as a person, as an identity, is you shame yourself. And often then that's when things like self-hatred can come in and lots of anger and we probably won't repair it because there's that little bit of us that's feeling shamed and is feeling resentful. You know, but it's actually often not the person externally, it's actually at ourselves. So, you know, all of those things can can come in. Um, I mean, the, and the critic, as I say, often I found with the critic is that they actually want love and they are often actually not loved by ourselves. So, again, that's when we start bringing in the loving part you know because often they are trying to do the best for us they're trying to keep us safe they're trying to protect us um you know some people i suppose might call the inner critic the ego in a to a point um but we call it the inner critic and so it's about offering them love because actually if i didn't have a critic if i didn't have somebody that was you know giving me criti critique i would step out in front of that lorry and not be here today because I, there wouldn't be anything to stop me and say no that's not a good thing to do so it's about, you know, allowing that critic to see where it can be constructive in our lives rather than a sort of, you know, constantly negative. And it also can force us to look at our shadows, the things that we don't like about ourselves. So like you were saying earlier, you know, Leah, and we were talking about that feeling, you know, they're not important and things. It allows us to look at, you know, that sometimes, um, and I think this is a curse for quite a lot of people, you know, that there's that part of us that's looking for that love and that reassurance and comfort. And we kind of label it as, oh, we're needy, I'm needy. Well, am I? Or is it just a part of me that's never felt love from me and protection and really needs that from me? It wants to feel looked after. It wants, because, you know, it doesn't feel safe because there's nobody looking after it you know, and loving it. So again, it's about us kind of looking at that and looking what's kind of underneath it. So it can, you know, and, and with parts therapy, it can even go into past lives. But again, that's 
time-wise too long to go into, <laughs> but um, it can link into past lives because when you tune into the energy, the emotions um, and the beliefs, often that will come from past life. So um, a lot of females um, and males as well, but I don't know the, the past life side of that could just be the male equivalent, but a lot of females have been witches in past lives and have the belief that they're powerless because they've been strangled or drowned or all the ho other horrible things that's happened to witches and they couldn't do anything about it. You know, they were tied to the stake and stuff happened, etc. And so we, you know, we bring that into this life and then we're needing to work on that. Even with the global situation, a lot of people have been triggered with powerlessness. You know, and to me, that's because as a collective, there is so much powerlessness that we need to heal or would be beneficial not to put pressure on people would be beneficial to heal and that goes for guys as well you know um and as i say it's not judgment you know it's just that that's what we are being asked to do is is do more of our healing so so that's kind of um you know those parts as i say the perfectionist um just in terms of of time we've talked quite a lot about that it does as i say tag teams with the pusher and the critic um but again, you know, it can allow us to, to have greater awareness and become more tolerant of our imperfections. So I remember, you know, reading something in one of my trainings and it said, you know, good can be good enough. Mm. You know, I mean, yes, if I was a brain surgeon, maybe I need to be erring on the side of perfection as best one can, you know. But actually, if I'm writing a blog, it doesn't have to be perfect. And one of the things that... um. I actually do sometimes is I purposefully make a mistake and I don't correct it. And I used to, I used to correct it all the time and I don't now because it's my way of saying I'm, I'm perfectly imperfect, you know, unless it altered the meaning of something, obviously, but yeah. otherwise I just leave it. And at first it was like, you know, finger and teeth going, I can't leave it. My perfectionist going, that needs to be perfect. You've got to change it. But again, it's about us just understanding that. And again, affirmations can come in here with those kind of things is, you know, good can be good enough or good is good enough. Um, you know, allowing us some, to you know, some some tolerance, some flexibility. Because when you've got a strong perfectionist, a strong pusher and a strong inner critic, often people will have a lot of rigidity to them, both in their belief systems, um, you know, and their feelings and their behaviours um, because of that, you know, because it's all kind of linked together. So, as I say, perfectionist is more about things like must get it right. You know, if we're going to do it, going to do it right. Um, like I've just said, it will pick up, you know, grammatical errors. Um, so they make great proofreaders. You know, I'm often, if somebody asks me to proofread something, I'll often know just by looking at the page without even reading it. I'll be like, there's a mistake in there somewhere because I've seen it. Um, because my perfectionist is hot on the collar on that. Um, you know, but perfectionists can hold us back. So, if it's balanced, a perfectionist can help us attain a level that is good enough, you know, but if it's too dominant, it will hold us back. We will procrastinate or we'll be totally overwhelmed, um, you know, so there's definitely that element to it as well. Um, so in terms of like people pleasing, so, you know, again, like people pleasing part, there are reasons why the people pleasing part will doing doing what it's doing. Um and again, it's it's actually looking underneath that as to why people are people pleasing. Often it's because it's a strategy they learned in childhood um, so that they didn't annoy people, let's just say. I can't use the other word I want to use, um, but the second word is off, if that makes sense. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we do it because of like a fear of rejection or when when we are very empathic, 
when you do something that somebody else doesn't like, you can feel the anger that they have. So as an empath, you're like, oh, I just need to people please because I don't like that feeling. That's a horrible feeling coming towards me. So I'm just going to people please. Everything's going to be okay if I people please. But um, as I say to other people, again, a tip to take away if you know people out there are a people pleaser is if you are saying yes to somebody, you are often saying no to yourself. So, you know, for people pleasing, kind of one of the tips would be learning the art of assertiveness. It would be learning to put boundaries in place, you know, so we can, you know, we can help people, we can do things like that. But again, you know, we might say rather than saying, oh, we're going to help all the day is I'm going to, I can help for half a day um, or a couple of hours, but that's all I can do today. I could definitely help you more next week. So people pleasing is about us beginning to listen to our own needs and whether, you know, actually that people pleasing is have a detrimental impact or um, in that perhaps situation is okay for us you know it doesn't compromise one of our own needs so that's kind of people pleasing and I'm kind of just skirting slightly from that just because the inner child and I know we've only got a few minutes left so the inner child I mean we've talked a lot about the inner child and as I say they have so many different aspects you know the inner child is often the one where um, you know, if we've been in a dysfunctional family, they feel abandoned, they feel, um, you know, unacceptable, unloved, you know, as um, a lot of uh, clinicians will say is often when something happens in a family, we don't stop loving our parents, we stop loving ourselves, you know, and we start creating all these limiting beliefs, you know, well, it must be my fault, there's something wrong with me. Um, so the journey of healing is very much about inner child work. And I know a lot of, you know, therapists and coaches will, you know, say about this. And it is so true. You know, a lot of the work that I've done was has been to do with my inner child. When I first introduced my loving part to my inner child, she did use the word something and then off um, because she was like, I don't trust you. You've not been there for me. Leave me alone. Mm. As I say, I'm slightly using different words there um she was so angry mm. you know and hurt um that this part was kind of just swooping in thinking everything was going to be okay just coming back in now going yes i'll look after you now um and this is the thing with parts work is sometimes parts are unaware of other parts so my loving part wasn't even aware of my inner child it had no clue that she was feeling very angry and very dejected and you know hurt and betrayed and everything else that happened and so it's been a learning curve to really start building that relationship back with her so it links in very much with things like attachment trauma and attachment theory you know um and so it's a it's been me kind of building that safe space so that she can talk to me she can tell me what she needs and you know I've said to her sometimes I am human and you know I will get it wrong but just talk to me a bit louder you know so she will she she will tell me so when I first started doing therapies and things I did some inner child work there's a great book by Lucia Capaccioni called recovery of the inner child um, and it's to do with writing and you write with your dominant hand as a parent and your non-dominant hand with the child it's it's strange to start with because I can't obviously write with my left hand but it did work and that was the one where she said I'm angry because you are not working with animals and I was like ooh oh you are very angry and I was like I'm really sorry darling you know and she's like you need to be working with that and she was really like quite venomous and 
and it made sense you know I've I've been around animals and had quite a unique bond with them since I was you know I know you can't see that because we're on a podcast but yeah you <laughs> hi um as the phrase would go so it all sort of made sense and I but then I had to be realistic with her and say okay well it's not going to happen overnight you know if we're going to do this if we're going to work with animals you know I've got to learn the therapies I've got to work with that so you know I would say to people you know inner child work it, it can be really painful you know, I've had some people that have got so far, for instance, with the book I've just mentioned and wouldn't do any more. Mm. But it can also be so empowering because as you start to heal her or him, as you start to release those limiting beliefs of I'm useless, I'm stupid. I mean, how many people have been called stupid at school because school mainly uses like visual techniques for learning? And that learner, that child might actually be more kinesthetic or more mm. auditory. So they're more their feelings or, you know, um, just hearing rather than visual. So, uh, so many people have been called stupid, you know, useless. And, and all of these limiting beliefs, when you start to heal those, the inner child does start to feel much safer and much more loved um, and more accepted. So, as I say, there's loads more I could probably go on about. But I did just want to also get that money because it's so important with the work that we do. So... I'm going to stop there. <laughs> Victoria, that is, do you know what? I could listen to you all day. Do you know what? I, I, I obviously know about the inner critic and some of those parts, but I didn't realize. It, and, and, and the things you were saying, I could totally see. Yep. That's Leah. Yep. That's me. I can see that in people. So I, I absolutely found that so fascinating and really, I'm going to look that up because actually that is really, really interesting to me. But yeah, so thank you for your time today because, wow, I think people that listen to this actually could sit there probably going, yep, that's me. And it, I really feel like it helped to understand certain things that, that you do. Yeah. But Leah, yeah, did you have anything you wanted to say before we jump off this episode? I feel like I just need to um, think of what you were just saying there as well, though, Jay. I feel like actually we could have a whole podcast season just talking and like learning from like what you was just like what you spoke about in this last hour that we've been talking it's been quite fascinating to really pinpoint the different areas and different parts should I say yeah of the individual that you just it's almost like all those parts are just taken for granted and like or ignored aren't they really and so I find that quite fascinating and it's like they say a lot of what you've spoken to like about today has resonated and like with me and I think I've actually um avoidance is probably a big one for me I think I avoid a lot of the things that you spoke about so yeah it's it's really fascinating thank you Oh, you're welcome. And and this is the thing, you know, there's a message in everything. So when we avoid, there's there's often reasons. And sometimes that's because, um, you know, it's it's painful to feel, you know, to feel these things. You know, I've I've had, you know, grown men sometimes in, you know, tears. But I always say to them, those tears are a release of energy. It doesn't mean you're weak. You know, it doesn't mean anything about you other than there's a part of you that wasn't heard and is really upset. And it needs somebody to just be there and be with it and not judge it for crying 
you know, and same as any female, you know. So, yeah, and you think about that's just, as I say, kind of the major ones. Mm. Uh, any conflict that somebody's having, if they're using the language that we talked about in the beginning, there's like tons of other parts that can come into this. But, yeah, I hope it has. Um, I appreciate for some they might find it quite overwhelming, so they might need to listen to it a few times. Um, but, yeah, as you say, it's the reflections um, and sometimes it can create a shift in our awareness, the same as you both have had, you know, shifts just thinking about each other and what might be playing out in terms of parts. So, again, people can use that and, and think, OK, so what part is playing out right now? You know, um, and again, it is just it is a game of awareness. You know, I'm still becoming aware of certain ones going, ah, oh, oh, I didn't realize that one was there. Oh, <laughs> sneaky little one. So, uh, so yeah, it's a con it is a constant game of awareness. Thank you very much, Victoria. I'm going to end it there because literally we will carry on speaking all yeah. day. So thank you very much for your time. And I'm sure the listeners will get so much from that. Thank you for listening to our podcast. I hope you found it just as powerful listening as we found it recording. If you would like to reach out to any of us on this episode, you'll find our details in the description below.